Lord, indeed, day by day, we do find the strength to meet our trials here. Lord, thank you that you indeed have considered our helpless estate. And that you have shed your own blood for our souls. So Lord, we thank you this morning that we can worship before you together. Thank you for reminding us of your great love. And as we come before you once again, Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. So may you open up your words to us. And may our hearts be open to you. We commit this time to you and pray this in Jesus' precious name. Before we begin, let us read a few of the portion of the scriptures together. The first passage is in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The second passage is from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then in chapter 12 of Hebrews, verses 1 to 3, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Chen 
那忍受罪人这样顶撞的，你们要思想，免得疲倦回心。Then also from the book of James, chapter one，然后雅各书第一章，verses two to five，第二节到第五节。My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without approach, and it will be given to him. Those are the portions of scriptures for today. And we have been fellowshipping on this theme of sonship for quite a few months now. And many brothers have already shared on various aspects of God's desire and way for us to enter into sonship. Of course, it talks about us maturing as Christians. And even as we read earlier in Romans 8, that we're taking on the likeness of Christ. And even more recently, brothers have been sharing on this aspect of the way to maturity. Dana shared from the book of Hebrews, if you remember, right, on the shaking that has happened around us and the discipline of God. And Brother Daniel also spoke on the day and the night and the way of the cross. And indeed, as a body, we have been facing a lot of trials and difficulties. Now on Tuesday prayer meetings, we do really sense that the body of Christ is going through a time of trial. And that many brothers and sisters are dealing with conflicts within the family, are dealing with sicknesses, are dealing away with sudden passing of dear ones. 所以弟兄們也要面對就是婚姻的問題,還有的生病的問題,還有我們愛的人離我們而去。And we find that indeed the Lord does bring us through episodes of trial and challenges. 所以的確我們的主也帶領我們經過一些試煉。Sometimes we enter into periods of uncertainty. 我們也來到一些我們不對未來不是很確認的。Maybe you have a terrible boss. Maybe you got laid off. Sometimes the Lord brings us through a period of um, change. And 
but sometimes also through disappointments. Maybe our family or friends will disappoint us. Even sadness and sorrow sometimes. Now at the same time, we of course remember that the Lord Jesus said that He came so that we may have life and life more abundantly. So there must be a purpose for the trials and challenges that the Lord allows us to go through. That these are not random events that have happened to us somehow. But rather they are masterfully designed for each of us. And you may say, well, how do we know? Well, in fact, what we just read from the book of James chapter 1 holds the key to us understanding this. It tells us why the Lord brings us through trials and challenges. What the trial and challenges accomplishes in our life. But more importantly, what is the end goal of the Lord? So let's take a look at James chapter 1 again. Okay, let's start with verse 2. It says, my, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So first, you notice the word trials. And in Greek, it's paranasis. And the basic meaning of that is it's a, it's a trying, testing, proving. And it speaks of what is the, cons- the, the constancy of men in the face of temptation and sin. Which is why in the Bible the same word sometimes is translated temptation. Now let's take a look at verse 3. It says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This phrase, testing of your faith. And again, in, in Greek, is dokimia. And it actually this word only appears here and in First Peter chapter one. It means tested or approved. And it's actually very interesting because this word is used in the ancient literature in reference to coins. Because back in the Roman Empire, the coins that they use actually have value. Because they contain silver in them. And so when the denarius first was introduced, it actually has 4.5 grams of silver in it. 
But of course the sad thing is as the Roman Empire proceeds, the the the, the, the content of silver keeps decreasing. And so in other words, it's increasingly mixed with impurities. And one famous instance when that happened was, if you remember, when Nero, right, during Nero's time when Rome was burned down, and, and of course, uh, you know, Christians were blamed for that and all that, you know. But after that, in order to rebuild the city, he needs money. And that's when they saw a big drop in the content of silver. And so this testing of faith is used in that context, is to test whether these coins are actually pure or are they mixed with impurity. Now another word in this in this verse, patience. This word in the Bible is also translated all the time as endurance. So just like what we read in Hebrews chapter twelve just now. It's actually the same Greek word. And it means steadfastness. It means standing firm under pressure. Now let's also take a look at verse 4. Verse 4, you also notice another word. It's the word perfect. That you may be perfect and complete. Now this word in the Bible is also translated as mature. And it is it means it's brought to its very end. And so of course when you apply to men, it means mature, full grown. So now that we understand the meanings of the words, let's take a look at the sentences. So first in verse two and three, right? You see that the fall, the the the, the, the falling into various trials is related to the testing of faith. In other words, trials are for the testing of faith. And it is so that our faith can be refined and approved. And secondly, we see that the testing and the refining of faith produces endurance. That endurance is the outcome of the testing of faith. And not only that, but it's something that needs to be built up, and because that's why it says various trials, it's multiple. And finally, that the endurance, when built up, brings us to maturity, that it needs to be perfected, brought to the fullest extent. 
So of course we have been fellowshipping on the fact that the Lord wants us to bring us into maturity as such. But how does he lead us into maturity? Well there is a process. And the process is exactly what we just looked at together. The various trials leading to the testing of faith. And that through the testing of faith produces endurance. And when endurance brought to perfection becomes maturity. Now, since this word testing of faith is related to the coins, I got interested in uh, you know how how are metal objects being made. So and so it turns out understanding metal works helps us understand this passage quite a bit. So back to the medieval times, do you know who who a blacksmith is? So of course a, a blacksmith is a, is a metal smith who works on metal objects. So and you know he would take a, a, a bar of metal and then turn that into like a sword, a tool. And there are actually several steps that a blacksmith needs to take in order to create a tool. The first step is uh, smelting. That he needs to make sure that the metal he's using is pure. Because the metal ore that you mine from the ground is actually very impure. And you have to go through the smelting process in order to remove the impurities. If the metal is not pure, it's actually not workable during the the, the, the the next stages, right? When you hammer it, it actually would shatter. It would actually crack. Now, once you make sure that the metal is pure, then there's a second step. And that's forging, where you shape the metal into the shape of the tool that you're trying to create. And that's where you put the metal into a fire, heat it up, 
and then you hammer it. The 锻造就是把这个铁放到火里面，然后够热之后，然后你就用那个呃榔头把它就把它打成你要它变成的呃的形状。And this takes a long time because you have to keep keep hammering and then heating it until it gets into the shape. 所以锻造过程就是你要把它放在火里，然后打，然后再把它放火里，然后再打。And then there's a third step. Now, the third is is called hardening. So this is called hardening. Because the metal tool, once you have shaped it, it's actually very soft. So when you hammer it, this metal is very soft. So what the blacksmith does is he has to heat it into a very high temperature. And then put it into water or oil to cool it very fast. So you need to put it multiple times. You heat it, cool it, heat it, cool it. So this time you need to put it in water and then put it in water. But with each cycle, it actually hardens the metal. So the 每一个呃呃每一个步骤就让这个铁越来越硬 And so those are some of the steps in simple simple terms. 所以这些是其实蛮简单的步骤 But hopefully you already start to see that there's some parallel of how God works in our life and how a blacksmith works on the tool. 所以你就看见这个这个铁匠他怎么样去这个打铁，你就看到主在我们身上的工作有一些的呃这个相似的地方。That even after the metal has been purified, it still needs to be shaped, and that it still needs to be hardened before it can become a useful tool. 所以这个铁，它就算你把它这个不纯的部分，把它这些杂物给挪去之后，它还是需要塑造才能变成一个有用的器具。And that likewise, our faith needs to be Tested, refined, so that it can produce endurance, leading us to maturity. So our faith also needs to go through this refining process. So it needs to go through fire, it needs to go through testing, to make it stable. Now let's take a look at that first first step of the refining of the faith. We look at the first step. The fact is that that refining process starts as soon as we become a Christian. So you think that we just got saved, and God starts to test us. Because God, just like the 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 good blacksmith, He knows that unless our faith has been refined, it would really hinder us in our ability to have endurance and to be mature. 所以我们如果不经历、不经过试炼的话，我们就没有办法很久忍耐，没有办法成熟。And that God will actually not stop the refining work until we have come to that perfection. 所以主就是他试炼的过程，只要一直等到我们达成成熟的地步。Now what is faith? 那信心是什么呢 ？We read from Hebrews 11 that faith is the The substance of things hoped for. So, Hebrews 11:11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, Hebrews 11:11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
the word substance is the faith is the substance of things hoped for. Because if you look at the, the word the Greek word, the substance actually means a firm having a firm foundation. That faith is based on a firm foundation. And I love how in the book of Hebrews it gives us a wonderful picture of the anchor. That the strength of our faith is dependent on what it is tied to. So, you know, if you tie your boat to an anchor, then it won't float away. But if you just tie it to a random piece of wood somewhere, it's not secure. And you can tie ten ropes. You can tie ten knots. Your boat was still going to float away. So you see, it depends. Faith depends on what is the what is that anchor that it is tied to. And what's lovely is that in the book of Hebrews, it shows us that Jesus is the only anchor, the only firm foundation. And that that's why you know the 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 writer of Hebrews is trying to tell the Hebrews believers that. Jesus is the only thing you can hold on to. He's better than angels, he's better than religion and sacrifices. In other words, our faith will be strong if we know how solid our anchor really is. And now you may say, hey, this seems so simple. But I mean, isn't it so true that how little oftentimes we are not a, just we're not aware of how impure our our faith really is. I mean, how often times that the Lord shows us that what we really trust is first and foremost myself, right? And the people around us, our abilities, sometimes even my good behavior that I have been faithful, or we may trust the Lord and over here, but over here I got it. And so as we read from James chapter 1, right, that the refining of our faith has to come by trials. And just, and just like how the blacksmith, when he is going through his steps, well, it needs fire, it needs hammering. The fact is, good times doesn't really require faith. 
If God just answers our prayer right away, there really is no need to exercise faith. If everything is going well, it's very easy to say, of course I trust Him. But that's why the Lord allows us to go through trials and challenges. Because in our most stressful moments, we tend to default to trusting ourselves. I mean, look at Peter. He said, Never am I going to forsake you. That's why he said to Jesus, but what did he do? Of course, he denied it. And so, testing really brings out what is the reality in us. And it causes our faith to be refined. And that through each of the episodes, we come to really see do we really trust the Lord? And as we come to know the Lord more in our walk, we not only come to discover that He is trustworthy, that He loves us, and He gives us only the very best. But that also means that sometimes He does not answer our prayers. The way we wanted it answered, and when we wanted it answered. And we find that the Lord sometimes allows us to get embroiled in these really troublesome situations. And not only that, but He does not deliver us right away. And eventually, we even come to a point where we are facing some impossible situation. That everything is just going wrong. And that God is not answering your prayer somehow. It's getting out of control, and it's all happening before you. And even your faith seems to be failing. And it almost can feel like God just, I don't understand what He's doing. He doesn't make any sense. Or that God dropped the ball. Why didn't you save? That you want to ask God why, why? But all you get is you feel frustrated. And what does the Lord want us to learn from moments, crisis moments like that? When you can't even make sense of it. And first, I have to say, we just have to acknowledge that in some of these situations we're just too finite to understand. We 
don't understand how all the pieces fit together. But we know that the Lord has a higher purpose. And we may have to wait till eternity to really have an answer. But what we do know is that the Lord cares for it. He cares for the oppressed and He cares for anyone who is suffering. And even through these moments, the Lord asks us, Do you still trust me? Would you still choose to believe that I love you? Would you still trust choose to trust that I give you only the very best? And we see that the reason why the Lord brings us to these moments is that so that we can learn that ultimate lesson of faith. That Jesus is alone that anchor and foundation. That it is not contingent. Our faith is not contingent of Him delivering us. And it's not contingent upon He giving us what we want when we want it. But that we choose to just let Him be God. And that He loves us and He gives us only His very best. Even when we don't seem to understand. Now, what does that look like practically? I share this with the youth during the Youth Weekend Conference. I always find it very touching to think of the story of the friends of Daniel from Daniel chapter 3. Of course, the friends of Daniel, they refused to bow down to the king, to bow down to the idol. And they were threatened by the king to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Maybe we can actually take a look uh, real quick in Daniel chapter 3. Verses 17 and 18. The friend says, If that is the case, our God, whom, is, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. 即便如此，我们所侍奉的神能将我们从烈火的摇钟救出来。王啊，他也必救我们脱离你的手，既或不然，主啊，你当知道我们绝不侍奉你的神，啊，也不敬拜你所立的金像。That you can see even in the face of being thrown into the fiery furnace, they have the conviction that indeed God can save them. 
But if not, doesn't matter. That that we will serve him anyways. And so the example for us is that yes, the Lord can resurrect my business, can resurrect my career, but if not, I will still trust him. That the Lord can restore my family, but even if not, I will still trust Him. That the sisters, are you finding yourself in one of these type of situations? What do you really trust? Is your faith anchored on Jesus and Jesus alone? Do you really believe Jesus is indeed who he says he is? Now we see that, you know, indeed we go through trials. But how do we react when we are going through trials and difficulties? What we want to do is we want to get through it. We want deliverance. We want to minimize any pain. And you know, we all have a strategy of, of some sort to go through trials. Some pray a lot. Some read the word a lot. Some fellowship with brothers and sisters a lot. Some even eat a lot. I mean, we, we all have our peculiar ways. But the key question is this. Have we really allowed the Lord to give us the, have we really benefited from the trial that the Lord has brought to us? Did we receive the full benefit of the trial? Or did we just kind of we just got through it somehow? I mean, I'll speak for myself. When, you know, when I go through trials and difficulties, I ask the Lord for deliverance. But most of the time, it's because I just want relief. But you see, even from James chapter 1, you see that the goal of trials is not was to getting through it, it's not the goal. But that the trials are specially designed for each of us. It's not more, not less. It's only what we need. And it indeed, it's when we say all things work for good, well, include the trials. I remember one time at home fellowship, a brother shared this. That um, it was an exchange between him and his dad. And that, you know, the brother was going through a very difficult time at work. I mean, the, the boss was just 
horrendous.所以这个老板就非常的不讲理。And he shared the dialogue that he had with his dad, where he was telling his dad that you know I thought I learned my lesson through this from the Lord.所以我就这个这个弟兄就跟这个他的父亲说，啊，我好像觉得我学了一些功课。And his dad's response was, well, the Lord still has a lesson for you. 所以这个弟兄父亲回答就是，他主还是在继续有一些功课让你学。And once you have learned the full extent of the lesson, of course it will pass. 当功课学完了，主就让你经过了这个过这这个经历。So Francis, what trial and challenges are you facing in your work, in your school, in your family? 所以你无论你是在公司，无论是在家里，无论是在学校里所经历的这些试炼，Have you learned from? Your trials. Have your faith been refined? Now, if you say, well, well, I don't really know. Well, have you considered asking the Lord? What is He trying to do? Because if you remember, we read in James chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about if any of us lack wisdom. Well, let's ask of him. It will be freely given to him. So we can ask him for what is that heavenly perspective. I mean, I thought it was an excellent example last week from the open sharing. That a sister shared that she was trapped in an elevator. You know, she tried to call for help, but the button wasn't working. And often she remembered, oh, I should pray to the Lord. And so she cried out to the Lord for help. And at that point I thought, oh, oh she's going to say, next, you know, oh, then the elevator started working immediately. I mean, could it could it happen that way? Of course it could have been. And would have been a wonderful testimony. But the Lord has his way. Right? That the Lord did not immediately answer her. But minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, and hours passed. No response. It's not like you know an angel descended from heaven. <laughs> Until by faith she learned that the joy of the Lord is her strength. So I mean, what a wonderful example of the Lord's refining work in us. But let's take a look at that second step of, you know, of refine of of the metal, right? Of refining the metal is that is this matter of endurance. Because we know that the trials and the testing of faith produces endurance. That after hammering and shaping the metal, the metal still needs to go through a hardening process for it to become useful. Now what is endurance? Well, what imagery? 
do you think of when you think of all right, endurance? What does that look like? So now, probably for many of you, the imagery that that comes up is a marathon. Or you know, like sports analogy, right? And then like running a marathon, you know, it's like uh, it's so hard, and everything inside you wants to just give up. But I have to push through with strong determination and will. That it's about putting your head down and biting the bullet. And isn't that sort of the common perception of when you think about endurance? However, endurance, as it turns out in the Bible, actually looks very different. I think we often have a misunderstanding or misperception of what endurance really means. That the, even though the end goal may be the same, but the process actually looks very different. And well, how do we know? Well, because we have Jesus as our example. In Hebrews, it talks about that we should run with endurance, but looking into Jesus. And in Jesus' life, there are actually many examples of how he has and runs with endurance. In Hebrews chapter 12, we we read of how he endured the cross, how he endured hostility from sinners. So perhaps today we can really consider this aspect of how the Lord endured the cross. And reading through the Gospels, right? The first thing that jumped out at me when you think about Jesus, you know, going to the cross. That somehow Jesus has a peace that transcends understanding. I mean, I was I was amazed at what Brother Ezra shared this morning at opening. But I think first we need to put ourselves, or at least we should try. We should we have to try to put ourselves into Jesus' shoes. Because from the Mount of Transfiguration, right? That after the Mount of Transfiguration, that's when he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So. 在这个变化山之后，我们的主就面向着呃耶要耶路撒冷要上十字架。To the disciples，对门徒而言，that that meant glory。他就啊，这就代表呃这个荣耀。They thought Jesus was going to take the throne。他们觉得主就这个时候要上宝座。That's why they debated at that time who was going to be the greatest。所以他们在那边辩论说谁是。but to Jesus, going to Jerusalem meant one thing. And it is certain death. In fact, he predicted, he knew what sort of death it would be. 
It wasn't going to be a quick and easy death. He knew, he said himself that he would be mocked, insulted, spat upon. He knew all that. And yet, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. How the Lord loves us. And what would we do if we were in Jesus' situation? I mean, what if you're facing certain death? What would you do? How would you feel? Many of us would probably feel kind of upset. We, we would be sick to our stomach. Maybe even feel despair. Think that we don't deserve it. And try to find a million ways to get out of that situation. And yet, when you look at Jesus, all the way from the Mount of Transfiguration to going up on the cross, when you read through the four Gospels, you cannot help but sense that there is such a peace that Jesus had. And it stood in such contrast to the chaos that was all unfolding around him. That he endured with such a calm assurance. It's, it's like he was able to be still, not disturbed by the craziness around him. Well, you may say, well, how do you know? So I was having this conversation with my wife. I said, well, well, I wonder how you can tell that Jesus, you know, had such a peace. And she said, well, that's very easy. Just think about the Last Supper. I mean, who would want to have dinner when they are about to die? <laughs> I mean, the fact that he, he, was, he had the mood to be able to have a dinner shows you that he actually, he really does have peace. And I thought how true because you know sometimes when we're stressed, when we're worried, we don't want to eat. But you can find a lot of instances, right, where Jesus can really, you can see the peace that he exhibits. And when there is such a peace, others take notice as well. Because it is such a contrast to what people expect. People expect chaos, people expect fighting back. Like when Jesus was standing before Pilate, he couldn't figure him out. He said he marveled greatly at Jesus. Because he saw such confidence, such peace that is within him. And I remember the testimony of a sister that used to met with us. And she worked in this very fast-paced work environment. Short that line, everyone is stressed. 
And the sister shared that you know her colleagues always wonder why she's always so calm. And that there's just like there's something different about her. Of course she told them why it's because of the Lord. But they just couldn't understand. Now it's also interesting to see to what's the latter part of Jesus' life on earth. That his words become less and less. If you have one of those Bibles that have Jesus' word in red, you will see the closer he got to the cross, the less red words that you see. I think it's a lesson for us as well. That Jesus showed us an enduring. There was no complaining, venting. And that we do have to think of how our outward behavior is truly a reflection of what is going on within. So you see, Jesus showed us that running with endurance is very different from how the world understands running with endurance. You may say, well, but that's not fair. Jesus is like superhuman. But no, in Hebrews 2, it tells us that he was made just like us. That he was tempted the same way we are. He suffered the same way as we are. And that if you remember at the Garden of Gethsemane, what he said. He said that my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. And that I'm deeply distressed. So you see, Jesus has dreams, just like we do. He has relationships, just like we do. He felt lonely too. But he showed us by his own example that it is possible and what it looks like to run with endurance. That, in fact, having peace does not mean that you show no emotion, that you show no, you know, you know, any signs of feelings. He, he has peace. He also has feelings and emotions. But how what he showed us is that peace that he had prevailed. And was overruling his emotions and feelings. That we can also like him run with endurance. Of of course, you may ask, well, but what is the what is the key? What enabled him to have such a peace? Well, what is the secret? And it comes down to the fact that he can put his complete trust in the Father. So, 
he can have such a peace because he knows what his father is doing. And that's why we read again in Hebrews chapter 12 that he for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That he knows that the Father is in control, that the cross is, the, is his will for him. And that allowed him to have just complete confidence in what the Father is doing. Even through his suffering. So you see, endurance does not equal trying harder. It does not mean that we try to be strong and bite the bullet. But rather, endurance is submitting to what the Lord is doing. On the one hand, yielding to Him, on the other hand, trusting Him. And it allows us to just simply rest in His mighty hand. So that we can just let Him do what He needs to do. Now, common to the, the, the perception of uh, endurance. That you know, again, you have to work really hard somehow. But we see from Jesus' example that in the Bible, endurance is quite the opposite. That there is a rest and a peace to endurance. That we can just sit at his feet. And rest patiently. In fact, endurance should be effortless. Because, you see, it's not something that we can produce ourselves. It's not not like in the midst of the trial and difficulty, well, I'm going to muster up my endurance and now I'm going to crunch through it. It is the exact opposite, almost like the fruit of the Spirit. Endurance is something that we possess because the Lord granted to us through the testing of faith, through the trials. We don't run because we we don't have endurance and there and that we don't we don't we don't we don't need endurance in order to run because sometimes it's, you think that you know we need to do more running uh, and that's how we build our endurance but it's the opposite. It's the fact that we run because we have endurance. So just to wrap up, thank the Lord that He is the faithful master blacksmith 
that has been bringing us through this journey of maturing. And if you look at the end, right, what is the end goal? That indeed maturity is the end goal. Like it says back in James chapter 1, verse 4, that let endurance have its perfect work. That you may become perfect or mature. Now, thank the Lord, God is preparing us even as He's preparing us as vessels. The one thing that really brings a lot of comfort to me is that sometimes going through trials and challenges it can feel like no one understands what each of us in our journey is going through. And sometimes it can feel somewhat lonely. But the Lord Jesus did not leave us by ourselves. I never fully appreciated that phrase in Hebrews 12 where it talks about Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And that these the the words actually have a wonderful meaning behind them. When it says author, in Greek it, it go it's actually beyond author. What in Greek it tries to describe is that this is someone who started a movement. Started a work. And that it's not only starting it and then okay bye. But but that that same person continues to lead, continues to drive the work. And that the word finisher. It is like what actually that 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 hymn, hymn 494 that we sang earlier. It talks about the fact that when it, when we say finisher, it means it's not in part, but it's the whole. It's the fullest possible extent. And when you think about that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That is what it describes, that He is with us each step of the way. Just like even Daniel's friends. That in and through the fiery furnace, that if you remember the story, that while they were in the furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person in there. And it, in the Bible said that he was like the Son of Man. 
Son of God. And so even through the fiery furnace, the Lord Jesus was right there with them. And always think of this poem that talks about how even in the difficult the most difficult moments of your trials. That you feel like you're walking by yourself. And that you only see one foot of footprints, one set of footprints in the sand. That it was then that Jesus was carrying. So may we we commit these words back to the Lord. Maybe we can have a season of prayer.